Good morning. Good morning. Wow, there's uh, there's more people than I thought there'd be. So it's, that's awesome, actually. I'm very excited. Um, oh, Father, 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 you are so good, and you are good this morning as well. And Father, this whatever I have to share today, it's do, do not let it just be my own thoughts, but may it be thoughts that came from you and you alone. Oh, Father. (laughs) Father, speak. Father, I allow my body and my temple here to be where the Spirit resides. And that, those are the words that come from it. It's not from me this morning. And may nothing that is unwholesome come from this mouth. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Okay. So I was told to share for uh, between 25 to 35 minutes I was like, oh, and then I thought I could only share for 20, and by this morning, I'm thinking I can share for an hour and a half. So, oh, can we turn this down? Closer or further? Can you hear me now, Mrs. Litcha? No, not at all? Should I use a mic instead? You want me to use the mic instead? Is this any better? Is this any better? Yes? Can you hear me, Mrs. Litcher? Oh. <laughs> How about now? Oh, really? Okay. That's okay. Okay. One second, one second. Okay, I will try my best to talk in here. Um, okay, well, good morning. I am very excited to share what I have to share with all of you today, and I really hope that uh, just some of these things that I'm, I speak, I, that I, I, I talk about today, uh, will give you the same excitement that I had when I was uh, learning about these things, and as the Father was imparting on me and teaching me through the last little while for me. So, Pilgrim, we have been listening to Shell speak on Pilgrim people. Can you remind me the three things that Pilgrim people are? The first week was that Pilgrim people are people that go. Second week, we are people that gather. Nice. And the last week, we heard that we are a people that... Beautiful. Three Gs. It's easy to remember, guys. We, pilgrim, we are a people, we are, we are a pilgrim people, meaning that we are a people that go, we are a people that gather, and we are a people that grow. And as we heard last week, the, one of the biggest requirements that's needed to do these things involves taking risks. And taking risks that must, that must include faith. If we're taking just random risks, we're not doing anything kingdomly. We're just taking risks. Anybody can take risks. But when we start taking risks because we're doing it through faith, that's when these things start to happen. And so today we're going to take a look, a really brief look at faith 
and what a people of faith looks like. So I've uh, titled this, this topic, People of Faith. I'm going to go over four things um, talking about faith. And in that time, I hopefully, you know, something kind of comes about out of all the stuff that I, t- I, I will talk about. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is why faith? Why do we even need faith? If we go right back to the beginning in Genesis 1-1, when God created the heavens and the earth, at the beginning of creation, and we look at the life of Adam, at the very, very beginning, he actually did not have to live in, in faith faith, the word faith didn't actually exist for him. Because at creation, everything was already complete. If we turn our Bible to actually Hebrews 11, um, not, actually no, not right away, no, no, no. If you look in Hebrews 11, where we talk about the heroes of faith, we see stories and accounts of people like, um, of um, Noah, we see stories of Abraham, uh, of Moses, uh, Rahab, and so on, so on. But there's one person missing from the beginning. And that's Noah, because Noah didn't have to live in faith. And that's, that's just mind-boggling for me when I first realized that. that Noah, no, no, sorry, not Noah. That Adam did not have to live by faith. And the only reason why we now have to live by faith. No, no, turn, take that off, take that off. That's for later. Sorry, Charmaine, I'll tell you later. So why, why the idea of faith? Well, it's, it's because when... When Adam and Eve decided to take a bite of that very, very luscious looking fruit, their eyes were opened. And a lot of times we think that we look at it going, oh, now they could you know, see good and evil. They can see that they're actually completely naked and, and whatnot and whatnot. But I want to challenge us with what were they actually open to by saying that there were four things that, that their eyes were actually were open to all of a sudden when they started, when, they, when, when their eyes were open to see what God sees. And those four things are this. The first one being reasoning. Their eyes, his eyes and all of our eyes, our eyes now have become open to reasoning. Rational, logical reasoning. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with reasoning, hey? We can reason within God's wisdom. It's all good. But what we're talking about is we start reasoning outside of God's wisdom and that we, we stop allowing God to, to be a part of the reason that we do. That's what our eyes were suddenly open to, because Adam never had to worry about that. God was always part of it. Second thing that our eyes were open to, it was open to speculative thinking. We started thinking about worst-case scenarios. We started thinking about tomorrow and what tomorrow's going to bring. What's going to happen in the future? You know, what, what if this happened then? then what's going to happen tomorrow uh, then? We started worrying about these things. Adam never had to. There was food everywhere. He could sleep wherever he wanted. And every time, well... The one time we heard about him sleeping, another person showed up. I don't know if that was God's plan for multiplying the, the earth, but uh, yeah, like he didn't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. He never did. The third thing that our eyes were open to was, was is open to have, starting to be very calculative about what, how we do everything. We started thinking about if we, like the cause and effect of things. So if I do this, then well, that's going to happen. So maybe I'll do that instead. But then... If I do that, that is going to happen. And what happens is we start thinking about this and then this and then this, and this becomes a never-ending chain. And when that happens, we get nowhere. <laughs> I can attest to that. I do that a lot. And I'm, I'm learning myself to say, stop, Sheldon. Stop letting this go on and on and on. Because I know there will be no end. And the next thing I know, there was my day. 
And lastly, the fourth thing that our eyes are open to, uh, it's open to choosing allegiances, selective allegiances. We started to to look for things um, and finding out who or what that should we align with to gain maximum benefit and advantages. And if we looked at the Jews when they were wandering around the desert and even when they became their own kingdom, they started to make alliances with all the nations around them. When God strictly told them, hey, stay away from them, do not, do not mingle, do not marry amongst them because I am your God and you do not need alliances to protect yourself. But they, had, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't see God in this. They couldn't see how that would work because their eyes were open. And we do the same thing today too, hey? We, we choose friends. We, we make networks. We, we, we find jobs that benefit us the best. Jobs that maybe will allow us to move up the ladder really quickly. We uh, even choose places to live that benefit us. These are the things that our eyes are open to. And that's why suddenly we have to live by faith. And as crummy as that sounds, to me at least, I think it allows us to actually live a very adventurous life as we start doing that. And so I'm going to go to point two. Point two, what is faith? And Charmaine, you can put it on right now. I'm sure many of us are familiar with the passage in Hebrew, Hebrews 11.1, 1, that says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. Oh, it's over there. And assurance about what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Let me challenge you with this little, uh, with this little uh, couple of sentences here. So often, so often though, when we use or think of the word of faith, we put it in very dire situations. We put it in times of unknown, times of fear, times of trouble. And so much of that faith then is spent on overcoming fear. But I want to challenge us today that faith can and should be used for many more things, many more things than just overcoming fear. I'm going to use a phrase that might seem, uh, it might counter what this says here, but hear me out. I'm going to go talk about faith. What is faith? Faith is something that actually sees. I know it says what we do not see. But I'm not talking about physical eye seeing. I'm talking about seeing that a, lo- a faith that sees is a faith that when we start s- just being in it, it gives us an opening into the heart of God. The things happen. Here's some of the things that happen when we start uh, living in and, and working in faith. We start to see things the way that God sees it. We start to see God the way he's supposed to be seen. We see the ways of God the way that they are supposed to be seen. There's an ability for us to, to get to override the faults and the sin that happened when Adam and Eve took that bite. And the best thing of all, well, no, not the best thing, but amongst all these good things, it allows us to override the four things I talked about. It allows us to... In faith, that it allows us to stop having to reason things that is outside of God's wisdom. It allows us to stop the speculative thinking because we don't have to think about tomorrow. It allows us to stop having to calculate responses about if I do this, then would that happen, or if that happens, then well, because we don't have, we just we know God says do this, we do it. 
And lastly, we don't have to worry about allegiances anymore because we know that God takes care of all those things as we choose to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just... Oh, goodness. Isn't that just, like, just uh, blows my mind. It just allows us to not have to worry about these things. Because I, I admit, I spend so much time, so much time trying to figure out my own life when I actually don't really have to. And I'm thinking, wow, God, is that the way that, if that's the way that Adam worked, and you're saying I can do the same thing in this idea of faith, then God, I'm in. I am so in. <laughs> We're going to take a couple uh, examples of some people in the Bible that, that saw faith and that acted on that faith. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the story of uh, Cain and Abel. Um, most of you are probably very familiar. It's found in Genesis 4.4. We hear that Cain and Abel are the, are the children of Adam and Eve. Cain being the... What, what did Cain do? What was his job? Anybody? No, 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 no not Adam. Cain. Cain. Farmer. Farmer. And then Abel? A rancher? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 yeah, we can use that word. A farmer and a rancher. <laughs> Nice. We read in Genesis 4.4 that they both came to God and gave an offering to him. Which one was accepted and which one wasn't? Which is the accepted one? Do you guys remember? Cain's was accepted. Does anybody know why? It seems so arbitrary. Like, oh, well, what did I do wrong? Oh, sorry. Yeah, so for, so Abel's, oh, sorry. No, no, Cain, yeah, sorry. Cain was like, oh, what did I do wrong? And, and Abel's like, yeah. Please, God. Do you guys know, like, anybody know why? Somebody said something. That was amazing. Yes. If you look at Hebrews 11.4, and I don't think that's up here, you will read that it was through faith that Abel offered his, his sacrifice. And that pleased God. So, so faith allowed Abel to see what pleased God, and so he was able to offer what pleased God. Another story that we, we are, we'll, uh, we've, we're all very familiar with is, is the story of Abraham. We all know that Abraham was promised a son. And when, he, when Sarah was like, there's no baby coming, come on now, there's no baby coming. Even though God had said, there will be a child coming from you, they first chose to do it their own way. We're talking about those four things again. Choosing their own way, trying to reason. Well, if God said this, and she's barren, well, here, take my servant instead, and we'll have a child that way. And God said, no, 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 no. I made a promise, and I'm going to fulfill it. And so we have birth of Isaac. And what did God do after that in Genesis 22? He says, sacrifice your son. (laughs) I can't imagine being Abraham. God, you said to me that my descendants are going to be as numerous as the sand. It's going to be more than all the stars in the sky. And the one son you gave to me when I am way beyond, when, when I really shouldn't be having a child, and miraculously I did, now you tell me give him up? But he doesn't go there, actually. It says that in Genesis 22.5, he says to his servants when they go up to sacrifice that we are going to go up to worship and we will come back. That is faith. 
He saw that no matter what happened, whether or not Isaac is to be sacrificed, and it says in Hebrews 2, that he believed that God will raise his son back from the dead. Wow! What, what faith that he saw. And so it didn't bother him. He just went up and he took his son and he even went and started binding him up to put him on the altar. We look next at also at, uh, in Samuel. We look at, at Samuel the prophet in 1 Samuel 16, the story of 1 to 13, where God says to Samuel, I am going to choose a new king for Israel. Samuel goes, and goes to Jesse. He goes to Jesse. That's better. He looks at the first son and goes, Ah, oh, what a handsome man. Strong, courageous, tall, best man in the land. And he thinks this must be it. He started again thinking outside of God, outside of faith. But he was a man that, of faith that he sought because he knew that as he thought of those things, God said to him, uh-uh, not this tall, young, handsome man. So he goes through each of the sons, and every time he goes through, he's still, he's still looking at faith, he's still seeing faith. And in faith, it's telling him, no, 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 no. Did that stop him when he got to the end and said, well, there's, there's no more sons. Why did you tell me to come here, God? No, he didn't do that. Because he saw faith. And faith told him, there will be a new king of Israel from this family. So he, even, so he asked Jesse one more time, do you have any more? And David shows up. And when he saw David, I don't know. It must, it might, I can't imagine what it was like for him. It might have been like lights flashing down from heaven going, this is the one. Or, or it might have been like fireworks going off. Or, or maybe just simply in the stillness of his heart, it just screamed at him and said, that's my king. doesn't really matter. What mattered is that he followed through it when he saw faith and said, there is going to be a king in this household. And when he couldn't find it, he pressed onwards found it. I'll give you one more story from the Bible. We look at Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter. The rock that the church will be built on. One of the closest to Jesus. One of the best stories that, of Peter is that uh, when he says to, to Jesus, who walking on water. <laughs> I, I don't know if it fully sinks in all the time for me that Jesus was walking on water because I've tried it and yeah if I could I wouldn't be so scared of going to the pool or anything or the beach but uh, I haven't been able to do that yet but if you look at Peter he says to him if you really are Jesus then let me walk on water and Jesus comes and what does Peter do Peter saw Jesus and he had faith to a point where he was able to step out and he started walking on water but what happened then he looked at the sky and said, huh, it's dark, it's cloudy, thunder's coming down, it's pouring rain. He looked at the water and said, huh, water. And then his mind and reasoning and logic and everything else, your five senses, it all kicked in and said, man doesn't walk on water. <laughs> and down he went. But for a split second, for a split moment, he saw faith and he walked on water. He walked on water. <laughs> and then his mind kicked in. And we'll talk about the mind just briefly later on. And I'll finish off with one more story, which is myself. That 
Me going to India was the same thing, hey? I, I heard God say, go. I saw, and so I went. And I had trouble when I was already halfway there. I was on the plane and going, oh my goodness, what have I just done? But oh, I'm so thankful the Father put me on a plane and not like, you know, on a boat or car. Uh, I couldn't go to the pilot and say, turn around. I was already halfway across the Atlantic. There was no way I could have him turn around. And so I got there. And that's a whole new story, but you, most of you have heard some of my stories already. And so faith is something that sees. Faith sees. That's how we are able to do these things, guys. I'm going to go to the next one. This, the third, third point that I have is, is the theme verse, actually, that we have for, for Pilgrim this year. The point of it is pleasing God. And Sherman, if you can go to the next verse. Yeah. Here we are. This is the theme verse for Pilgrim. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Can we go to the other version? I've got, there's, there's a message version, which I think does an even better job. And it says this, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. He cares enough to respond to those who seek him. He cares enough to respond to those who seek him. I used my nerdy glasses and went online and looked up some definitions for the word impossible. So I'll read them out to you. Impossible. Incapable of being done. Undertaken, experienced, occurring, or happening. Inconceivable. I'll repeat that once more. The definition of impossible is incapable of being done, undertaken, experienced, occurring, or happening. Inconceivable. And the definition for please or to please is to gain satisfaction, pleasure, or contentment. And I'll read that once more. To gain satisfaction, pleasure, or contentment. But the question rises up then. Why would I even want to please God? Yes, we are told that it's impossible to please God without faith. But why would I even want to please God? So I'll tell you a little story about me and my dad. And hopefully that'll give you a little bit of a, uh, an idea of, uh, or an understanding of why we want to please anyone, actually. My dad had his 60th birthday this year. And we, are a, we, don't, we don't celebrate birthdays in this family, hey? Uh, I think I had one birthday party in my life, and I had to ask for it. Uh, <laughs> but my dad's 60th birthday, we were like, let's do the party, let's have dinner, and, and like go out and... You know, splurge just a little bit. And my dad's like, I don't want this party. And so we had a party for him. And so, for me as his oldest son, who will inherit everything, no, I'm just totally kidding. Um, (laughs) Don't tell Kyle I said that. Um, So, (laughs) I actually got, Kyle was part of this. Um, As sons of our dad, there's two of us, I I suggested to him, hey, let's get dad a, a birthday gift. And I think I've gotten him one gift in my life. <laughs> it was opera CDs. Um, anyway, <laughs> the, 
There was one song he liked. I got him a six CD collection. I listened to it more than he did. Um, anyhow, so we wanted to get him a, a, a 60th birthday present. Why? Well, simply because I wanted to make him happy. I really wanted to surprise him. I don't know what it was. I just, I just love surprising people. Not all the time. Sometimes. Because I know I was so loved by him. I was so loved by him. And so willingly, I really want to do something in return for him. That's it. I, I know I'm loved by my dad. And so because it was his 60th birthday, he didn't want a party. He didn't want anything. We decided to give him a party. And we decided to give him some gifts. And it didn't matter whether he wanted it or not. Hey, It really didn't matter. But what, what mattered was that I just willingly, really, really wanted to, to do something in return because I love him just as much. And so guys, when it comes to pleasing God through faith, it, faith actually involves one big thing. And, oh, Charmaine, do you have James there? Okay, cool. Faith involves action. Action. And so we read in James 2, verses 14 to 18, well, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, it's over there, but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does absolutely nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Is there, more? there must be more. Is there a next slide? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And what it's saying here is that you, you can't say you have faith and do absolutely nothing. Because faith sees. Faith sees what God is doing, what God wants you to do, what God wants to do. And if you do nothing about it, you have just squandered that faith that sees. And so, Pilgrim, I, I want to say today, let's, let's stop calling ourselves people of faith or that we live by faith, and yet we do nothing. If we're not taking any risks out of faith that sees, we are not pleasing God. As we heard last week, if we are to grow, we must take risks. And these risks involve action, action out of faith. And so I want to go back to Peter again. Peter's my man. We're going to hear about him a few more times, I think. Peter, when he walked on water, he still had to walk on water. No matter how much he saw in faith that Jesus said that that was Jesus, and Jesus said to him, come, come to me. He still had to take his foot out of the boat and put his foot on water. And it wasn't until he took that first step and realized, hey, my feet isn't going down right away. That's not even the scariest part. The second step is the scariest part because you can't go back anymore. You're going down or you're standing up. And so Peter took that second step and he stood. And that's when he realized that I can walk on water until logic kicked in. So, as, as, again, as Shellat spoke about last week, I call these Peter moments where 
We see, we take that first step. We need to take the second step before we can actually experience what is being called, what we're being called to do. And so in these Peter moments, when we step outside of our control, it is then that God can come in to do what he wants to do. Because Peter, taking that first step, maybe it was his feet stayed up, maybe went down a little bit. I don't know. What I do know is that the Bible said he walked on water, which meant both feet had to be out of that boat. And so if we, when we are wanting to get into these Peter moments, and when we step outside control, that was when God wants to do what he wants to do. But often, our mind is the thing that presents the greatest barrier. And so we have to, we have to go past what our mind wants to do when we want to, when we want to live in this faith, when we want to walk in this faith, when we want to take actions out of this faith, that it may not make sense fully in our head. But that's okay. Because if it did, we aren't going anywhere. Now, all of this seems like, wow, that, that's a lot of stuff. And, you know, how, how do we even do all these things? So we'll look at the best model that we have. Jesus. Jesus, the model. That's point number four. Oh, boy, half an hour. Okay, we're almost there, guys. Point number four, Jesus, the model. So what was Jesus' role on this earth besides to die on the cross? Well, he was here to demonstrate the kingdom in heaven as it was on earth. Sorry, the kingdom in heaven as it is on earth. He was here to give us a model to follow and how to live in faith. If, if we look at him, everything that he did was always done through faith that sees. And we'll go to our last verse here, which is found in John five nineteen. And I quote, this is from Jesus. It's not my words. Jesus gave them this answer. And this is, um, this is, uh, the, uh, oh, I forgot where this is coming from. If you go there, you'll find out. Um, but Jesus says this. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, the son, Jesus himself, can do nothing. He can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. And I believe that what we're talking about here is that we're talking about faith. And so how was Jesus able to do this? How was he able to see what the father's doing? How was he able to, to, to keep on going? How was he able to, because I look at myself and say, oh, I don't always see. I, 30 years old, I've seen a few things in my life, but Jesus seemed to be seeing things all the time. Well, how was he able to see? I think it comes down to one thing, that he had a relationship with his father. Being a person of faith requires that we have an ongoing relationship with the father. Why do you think Jesus chose 12 disciples? He said to, when he said to them, come and follow me, he wasn't just saying, hey, I'm going out for, uh, for, for hamburgers and hot dogs. Come and eat some with me. You know, I have no friends. No, 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 he wasn't saying that. He's saying, come spend each and every day, every moment with me, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And he did that for give or take three years. Can you imagine just hanging around one person for three years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week? You slept together, you ate together, you walked around together, you traveled together. 
He did that because he wanted to cultivate a relationship with them so that they can understand how this whole process of faith works. He wanted to show them in his relationship with them, his relationship with the Father. I'll read that again too. He wanted to show them in his relationship with the 12 disciples, his own relationship with the Father. And the result of this, we'll go back to Peter. Peter walked on water. I love it. Peter walked on water. Later on, Peter recognized that Jesus is the son of the living God. And it says in Matthew 16, 17, that Jesus said to him, good, it's not because it was revealed to you by man, but it was because it was revealed to him by the Father in heaven. Guys, Peter saw faith, and so he could recognize that Jesus was the son of the living God. And we find that in Acts 3, 6. Hello. That after Jesus had gone up to heaven, that they start going around doing what Jesus did. At the beautiful the gate called beautiful, he heals the crippled. Man, faith grew. Faith keeps on growing. I'm going to, I'm just gonna give you a little bit more about the, the story of me and my dad. In that it's, I, I'm 30, so I, I know my dad, I want to say, for 30 years, but probably more like 25, because I, I couldn't understand anything until I was probably five. Um, but growing up over the years, there were many people who said this about me. They would say, you look just like your dad. You talk just like your dad. You act just like your dad. You think just like your dad. Or my mom, you're just like your dad. I know, like, so many things. It's actually really weird. Um, I remember, like, whenever we go for, say, uh, dim sum, and uh, we would say, hey, let's order one more thing. What would it be? And we would look at, say, something steamed or something deep fried. And let's say, I looked at my dad. I'd say, Dad, what do you want? I don't even have to ask him. He wants the deep fried stuff. No questions asked. And then my mom would be like, oh, why are you doing this to your dad? You're going to blah, blah, blah. But it's because I have spent so much time with my dad. I have, I have watched him growing up. I have looked up to him. Uh, so we spent time together. Uh, he would teach me things when I didn't know things. I would ask him questions when I, when I needed advice or counsel. And over all these years and all these time of cultivating a relationship, I've gotten to know my dad really, really, really well that even he, without having him say anything, I could tell what he was thinking. And so when it came to that birthday gift, we wanted to please our dad. And so we thought, well, what would my dad be excited about? Absolutely shocked and surprised. And so we were hunting and looking, and, and Kyle's in Japan, and he's giving me his ideas, and I'm like walking around... And suddenly, I saw this, this item, and I was like, oh, I think that's the one. And so I picked it up. Uh, and then I wrapped it up, gave it to my dad. And I have never seen my dad so excited in my life when he was opening presents, because I guess, frankly, he had no presents to open, because he never had a birthday. Um, <laughs> but I watched him rip the gift apart, and I'm thinking, that's not the dad I know. It was like a little child at Christmas time. I mean, if you know me, I, I actually, I'm, 
I, I make sure the whole thing stays intact and I rip the tape very carefully and Jane gets really mad and I think that's my dad in me actually. But my dad actually like just like ripped the wrapping and I'm thinking, I wrapped that so nicely, why would you do that? <laughs> but when he took it out, he looked at it and... Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> There was a childlike grin on his face that I'd never seen. I'd never seen. <laughs> and I was watching it and I'm thinking, oh, I found the perfect gift. I, I, he is so excited. He's just like grinning ear to ear. I have never seen him like this before. And then my mom got really jealous. And yeah, that, 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 yeah. Anyway. She's like, where's my gift? And I'm like, you're not 60. Um, anyway. Guy's like, Pleasing my father requires faith. And, and when I knew him, I was able to find the perfect gift for him. He looked at it, and I took like a four-minute video. I don't know why it took him so long to like, to like just look and look and look. And like, he like took everything on the box and like just like shredded the thing. I was like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And then he said this, these words to me that I was, I was so blown. He said to me, how did you know I have wanted this for a long time? How did you know I had wanted this for a long time? Apparently, he's so. This is about the middle of the year. He's been looking at these, like the, the, that particular item that I got. He's been looking at it for like I don't know, six months, a year. He's always been going and looking at it. And my mom's like, "Wow, Dad's been looking at this over and over again at the stores." And he said to me, "How did I know?" <laughs> it's just like that, guys. Hey, when it comes to knowing the Father and having that relationship with Him, that's what it requires. And when we start spending time cultivating a relationship, we get to please God through faith. And we look at Jesus and it's the last thing that he does on the earth while his lifetime was here, that in faith, Jesus chose the cross because he knew that pleased the Father. Jesus chose the cross and although he knew that it was still a risk he had to take he knew he would still have to die. And not though he, he knew the promises of his father, that he will be raised and he'll be seated in the right hand of God, he still had to go and make this choice and go and do it. And so, how do we learn to be like this? Like I said, cultivate relationship. Best example, look at the model. Look at Jesus. So, where is Jesus found? Right here. And if you don't have one, oh, if you don't have one, I've got four Gospels of John on me today. So if you want one, come find me, okay? So study Jesus in the Bible. Enjoy every account of him. He's an outrageous man. Oh, he did things that was so counter to everything because he saw faith and marinate in that stuff. Marinate in it. Just read it over and over and over again. Oh, his stories are just so crazy. It's just enjoyable, actually. And so I'm just going to conclude with a, just a little, a little, uh, just a little bit more here. So Pilgrim, and I'm speaking to this body here, including myself right now. Pilgrim, as we continue in our journey as a people that go, a people that gather and a people that grow, let us walk in faith that risks, a faith that because our eyes have been opened, that faith will help us refocus it back on seeing God. 
A faith that helps us know God. A faith that invites us to much more than we can imagine. Faith that allows us to please God because simply we just enjoy him and know that he delights in, our, in his children, in you and I. Faith that allows us to walk this earth as Jesus walked and lived. And as it says in Hebrews 12.2, is that up there or no? No. Hebrews 12.2, we find that there's an account here that says that let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down in the right hand of the throne of God. That's my challenge to you, Pilgrim. That's my encouragement to you. Let us move forward in taking these steps in these risks that involve faith. And as we do that, we will become a people that go, a people that gather, and a people that will grow. Amen?